Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you're listening. This is day 19, and we're going to change the format pretty radically. You've learned a lot now, and you have a lot of fundamental tools. So we're going to focus on you just getting yourself to apply some of the fundamentals that you've already learned consciously. I want to get you to apply them to make some specific changes. And what we want to address in this particular tape to start with is a major thing called fear. Fear of failure and fear of success. If there are any two labels in our society that we've learned to link both a mixture of pain and pleasure to, it's those two known as failure and success, and they are totally interwoven. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, what is fear and what does it do to us? A long time ago, I heard a simple, but I think a very useful way of looking at fear. First of all, we know it's an emotional state. That's all it is. But it's an emotional state where our brain is activated to avoid pain. That's really what it is. It's a state of major concern where our entire nervous system gets activated. It can be a very powerful state. We can use it to really become fully awake, alive, pay attention. And that's what its intent was. Its intent was to protect us and to make sure we had all of our resources available, to pay attention, to take quick action. It helps us to get access to our deepest resources of fight or flight. The problem happens is when we take this intense emotion called fear, this emotion that can get our heart beating at an incredible pace, shoot adrenaline through our body, create an incredible biochemical change throughout our entire system, and we attach that to something we don't need to have any intensity about, like trying something and not have it turn out exactly the way we expected, what some people call failure. Boy, isn't that insane? And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves no longer want to try things because we don't want our nervous system to go through that havoc of massive pain. We've got to break this pattern. We've got to learn that the fear is not what we want to avoid. Fear is a useful emotion in the appropriate context. We don't want to eliminate fear. But what we want to do is eliminate fear where it's limiting us and not supporting us. So a useful way of looking at fear for most people is most people anticipate the potential of problems or pain, and generate this emotion known as fear. In fact, I heard somebody once call fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence that appears real. Probably a good metaphor for it. How often have you gotten afraid about something, or really concerned about something, or really worried about something, had all this pain, all this concern, and then it didn't even happen? Yet, you know what? It did happen. It happened in your body. You might as well have had the problem. You might as well have had the tragedy because your body went through the same exact experience as if it had happened. In fact, it was worse. If it would have happened, you would have done it once. But since you were waiting and thinking about it and fearing it, you may have run the same movie in your head many times. You've heard the phrase that says, a coward dies a thousand deaths, a courageous man only one. You've got to learn to get control of it. Now, let's relate it directly to this thing called failure and success. We've already spoken about these, so I'm not going to talk in detail. What I want you to do, though, is use this tape as simply a trigger for you to absolutely use a few techniques to free yourself from the fear. Listen, failure is impossible. The only way you can possibly fail is to tell yourself that you've failed. What do I mean specifically by this? What I mean is in order for you to feel feelings that you may associate to being a failure, You have to represent things in a certain way. You have to evaluate your life in a very specific way. And it's very different than the way you evaluate things in order to create this feeling inside of yourself you may have labeled success. The point is, we are in control. Nothing and no one outside of you can determine whether you're a failure or success. Only you give yourself permission to give yourself a label like this. So how do we change and break out of this fear? 
Well, the first way is to change our rules or our ways of defining what determines an experience we call successful or one we call a failure. What determines when we start firing off those negative emotions? In other words, any two people you meet on the street, if you ask them, what does it take for you to know you're successful? What does it take for you to feel like you're a failure? Inevitably, you'll get radically different answers. Everything from, well, the fact that I haven't achieved all that I set out to achieve in my life by now, to, well, I know that there's more possible and I'm not doing it, to I'm afraid, and if I'm afraid, then I'm a failure. People have such radical different ways of evaluating. Some people have set things up for themselves where they have mental rules where no matter what they do, they feel like they're a failure. For example, you remember the example I told you about earlier? The gentleman who, by most people's standards, was extremely successful, but by his own, he was a failure. Why? Because in order to be successful, you'd have to be earning 4 or $5 million a year, and he's only earning two. <laughs> Think about it. His definition of failure is anybody who earns less than $4 million a year. You might want to create better rules for yourself so it's a lot easier and you don't have to worry about having that kind of fear. Conversely, you ask people about what does it take to succeed. Some people say, I have to never, ever feel bad. Or they say, I have to achieve my goals. Or other people say, I have to be breathing or above ground. Remember the example? See, in life, what we want to do to make ourselves effective is we want to make it really hard for us to feel bad and really easy to feel good. And you might say, well, gosh, if I operated that way, then I probably wouldn't make my life the way I wanted. I wouldn't be motivated. Garbage. I used to believe that too, but it's just not true. I used to believe in life that I've got to go out and achieve and therefore I'll allow myself to feel happy. But I've chosen to look at life differently where I now happily achieve instead of achieve to be happy. I'm going to tell you something. It radically changes your personality. I'm having so much more fun while I'm achieving now. How does this all relate? Well, you got to take a look. If you're experiencing fear of failure, fear of success, the first place you got to look is how do you define them? How is it that you evaluate things and is it appropriate? Whose rules are you living by to create these feelings or emotions inside yourself? Did you sit down one day and say, if this and this and this happens, then I think it would be useful for me to feel like a failure, so I'll be motivated? And if this and this and this happens, it would be useful to feel successful? I doubt it. What happened is you've just developed a pattern, and that pattern may be controlling you instead of you controlling it. I suggest you sit down right now and stop the tape. And before we do anything else, I want you to define for yourself what must happen in order for you to feel like you're successful? What must happen? Now, I know this seems like a general question or an amorphous question, but be honest with yourself. That's question number one. What must happen? Now, again, people give all kinds of answers to this. I must make a million dollars. I must have the ultimate relationship. I must have my children go to college. I must have to whatever the case may be. Other people have things like I must breathe. I must wake up. Just decide what they are for you, at least right now. And then the second question is, what must happen in order for you to feel like a failure? What kinds of things do you allow to cause yourself to feel those sensations that maybe you now label failure in your body? What kinds of things trigger that? So what must happen for you to feel like a failure? Just failure to achieve a preconceived idea of what you want in a certain specific period of time? Nice fancy way of saying failure to get what you want when you thought you'd get it. What are your definitions for these two? And let's first of all find out what they are, and then we'll take it from there. So please stop the tape and jot down, or if you're in your car, think clearly. Get a clear idea of what are your definitions, what must happen for you to feel like a failure or to feel successful. Stop the tape now and check it out. Okay, so what did you discover? My first question for you is this. Whose rules are these? Who defined for you that this is what success is or failure is? 
Again, I doubt very seriously if it was you consciously designing it. My second question is equally important, maybe more important, and that is, is this definition you've got appropriate to create lifelong happiness and success? If you're experiencing fear of failure and success on a daily basis, it's highly likely that you've got some rules that are disempowering you. So what I'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to define for yourself what should your rules be for failure and success. In other words, you might want to do like uh, the gentleman we talked about earlier and make it a lot harder to feel like a failure and a lot easier to feel successful. I've already told you my definition. No matter what the situation is, if I give my all and if I learn something, I've succeeded. Now, if I didn't give my all, then I can at least learn something and I can still succeed and I can turn around and give my all in learning something about it. I mean, I've found a way to make sure I can succeed no matter what. And by succeeding, I feel good inside. And because I feel good, I'm willing to go for more. Instead of what I used to do, which is beat myself up, and all that did was put me in a lousy state and create performance that I'd rather not even talk about. So right now, create two new definitions. What's going to be your new definition now? What must happen now for you to feel like a success? And make sure it's easy. And what must happen for you to feel like a failure? For me to feel like a failure, I have to quit. I have to totally give up. So that's something I want to avoid. I, that's something I would like to feel bad about would be totally to give up. Does that make sense? So go for it now. Stop the tape again and give yourself two new definitions of success and failure. Go for it. These new definitions that you've now created are basically the foundation for releasing yourself from the bondage of fear. Remember, in order for you to feel that feeling called fear, you've got to evaluate things in a way that makes you think that what's going to happen is going to lead to pain. It's always important for us to remember then that our own core beliefs are what generate our emotions. That whatever we believe to be true is what's going to happen to us. So as long as that's true, it's better for us to identify and to establish for ourselves beliefs that empower us instead of disempower us. I remember a belief system that was offered to me years ago. I think Robert Schuller is one of the people that popularized it, and it started many years before that. And the belief system was this. Somebody once asked me, Tony, what would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? And I thought, if I knew I couldn't fail, I'd do almost anything. And so I offer you the same thing. What would you attempt to do if you knew you couldn't fail? And if you're saying almost anything, then just go do it, because if you set up the right rules, it'll be almost impossible to fail. It's impossible for me to fail because the only way I could fail would be to give up. And there's no chance of me doing that. I got too much pleasure in going for it 100% in life. Remember the analogy from earlier in this tape program. If you try something and it doesn't work, you ran a play. You're still in the football game. As long as you're on the field and the clock is still ticking, then the bottom line is you haven't failed. And if your heart's moving, that's the clock. It's still ticking. You're in great shape. So just go for it. Try something else, change your approach, and eventually you'll achieve what you want. But make sure it's hard to fail, easy to succeed. Make sure you're in control, not your environment, not what other people think. Otherwise, you'll always be in reaction in life and never be in control. Now, what can we do to really free ourselves from this? What can we do? You say, okay, I got these great definitions, Tony. It makes sense. But, you know, it's one thing intellectually to have new definitions. It's another thing to have this gut-level feeling here that drives me nuts. How do I get rid of it? Well, number one step, like in any other change that you want to make, is just decide. Decide you are going to be free of this fear. Does that mean it never comes up? No. It just means that if it comes up, you're a human being, you take a look at it, you realize it's false evidence that appears real, and you move on. You change your state, you change your physiology, and you go for it anyway. You ask yourself a better question like we talked about earlier. 
or you create a positive anchor. There's so many things you can do. But first, right now, you got to decide that these two killers of human success, fears of failure and fear of success, are no longer going to stop you. I'll give you a classic example. Years back when I was doing work initially, I was just establishing myself in the media in terms of my work with athletes and with business people. Life Magazine did an article on me. And in covering me, I told them about some of the work I'd done with the Army. And, you know, to say the least, they were a little bit conservative and a little bit skeptical might be a better description. And I said, okay, if you're so great and you can do all these great results, let us pick an athlete and let's see you do some work with him. So I said, great. They happened to be at my house that day while we're talking and the television was on and the Los Angeles Lakers were playing. Well, Byron Scott at the time was not doing too terribly well. In fact, I think he scored three points that game and Chick Hearn was a little bit on his case. <laughs> Bottom line is, they said, let's see you work with this guy. I said, great, you set him up. Sure enough, they did. The next day I find myself in Los Angeles in a gymnasium with Byron Scott. Here we are and what's the problem? Well, I started talking with Byron and he said, the problem with his game is this. I found out when people threw him the ball, one thought was rushing through his head, pass it. (laughs) Why? Because in his mind, he had stored so many failures, so many times where he had screwed up, made some dumb mistakes, that now whenever the ball came to him, his immediate association was failure. The only way to keep from failing was give it to somebody else. Can you imagine trying to make a shot when most of your nervous system is associating to pass failure? There's no way you're going to succeed. See, remember that phrase or belief we talked about earlier? I want to reinforce it again. If you want to succeed in your life, remember this phrase. The past does not equal the future. Because you failed yesterday or all day today or a moment ago or for the last six months or for the last 16 years, the last 50 years of life doesn't mean anything. All that matters is what are you going to do right now? Otherwise, you carry all that luggage, all that load of negative emotion with you and it will affect your present performance. Now, it's one thing again to say that. How do you change them? One, you got to decide, just as we said earlier. You've got to then get enough leverage that you're going to follow through. I got started talking to him, and I wanted to get a Dickens on him, if you will. I said, look, if you don't change this, what's it going to cost you? I mean, he said, well, you know, I don't know. It's already costing me. I'm screwing up. I, I said, if you keep at this rate, what's going to happen? He said, I'm going to end up on the bench. And I got him to actually have some feelings about that. Why? I want him to link pain to not changing this pattern. As soon as his brain links pain, what's it going to do? Anything to avoid this. And it's going to use all of his resources. Does that make sense? Now, on the other side, I said, if we could really turn this thing around, what would happen? He said, well, God, I'm a great shooter. He said, I'd be swishing him. He said, I could be one of the best shooters in the league. I really know I could be there. I could compete with the best. I've got an incredible shot. So sure enough, we had plenty of pleasure linked to making the change, pain to not. What's step three? Step three is what I want you to do with your ideas of failure from the past. It's a simple way of changing your neuroassociation so you don't have any negative feelings linked anymore. How do you do it? Real simple. I took Byron Scott and I said, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up nice and tall. I want you to breathe fully and I want you to stand and breathe the way you do when you feel absolutely unstoppable. And so what I basically did was got him to feel really good. I got him to change his what? His state. How? By changing the way he was breathing and his moving, by changing his physiology. Do you remember when we talked about the ways to change state? I also got him to focus on times when he'd really been successful. So what's happening now? He's standing tall, he's breathing strong, he's feeling energetic. I got him making gestures like he's really in charge. I got him shouting a word, and the word was boom, a particular sound. Well, he felt really strong when he made this particular sound. Sure enough, I got him to focus on his success. Now he feels absolutely incredible. While he's feeling incredible, I anchor him a few times. 
And while he's feeling incredible, I said the word boom. He's feeling great. I say boom. He's feeling great. I say boom. Till pretty soon I say boom in a weird way. And sure enough, his shoulders come back and began to feel good, just like Ivan Pavlov and the dogs with the bell. Same thing, just like what advertisers have done for you for years, only I'm helping him to find a trigger to get himself in a strong state. So I got him in a great place, and now I want to use what I call my erasure technique. So I said, listen, this is what I want you to do, Byron. I want you, while you're still feeling good, without having any major negative feelings, I want you to just watch the memory of some of your biggest mistakes. And when I say watch it, I said, just if you would, pretend it's a movie in your mind and just see the situation happen again, but don't get any negative feelings. Just watch it like an outsider, so it's like way over there. So he watched it, and I said, you tell me when you come to the end, and you run several of those movies. So he did. For about 60 seconds, maybe two minutes, maybe three, he continues to go, and he's got his eyes closed, and finally goes, okay, nods his head. I said, okay, now what I want you to do is start at the end of those memories, and this is all I want you to do. I want you to run those memories as if they're movies backwards at triple the speed. In other words, I want you to see everything happening in reverse. The ball you threw away comes sucking right back up in your hands, and everything goes perfectly. Anything that was said and noises you heard, everything's happening in reverse. And while you're seeing all these things happening in reverse, I want you to simultaneously to hear some humorous sounds, like a Nickelodeon or like a circus or something that would make you smile. And I want you to see the whole image in your favorite color. Now, what am I doing here? I'm interrupting the pattern. Do you remember step number one was get leverage? I got leverage with him, didn't I? I got him to think about how painful it's going to be if he doesn't change, how much pleasure he's going to get if he does. Number two, I'm now going to interrupt his pattern. These memories he keeps bringing up as a way to make himself feel lousy, and then his failure becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I've got to break that pattern. I have him run it backwards at hyperspeed. And while he's running it backwards, I say, see, imagine that Mickey Mouse ears are growing out of the other players as you're doing this. Imagine their noses are getting longer. Imagine you take the ball now and you slam dunk it. I have him do this over and over again, where each time he plays the memory, he does it faster and faster, he creates humorous music, he sees different images, until pretty soon, now, whenever he thinks of it, he starts to smile or laugh. I said, so how do you feel about those failures? And he starts to grin. That's a lot different than when before, when I talked about the failures, his shoulders would drop, his head would drop, his breathing would get poor, and he'd go in a state where he couldn't get peak performance. Does this make sense? Do you remember the strategy we're talking about? We're talking about if I take a record that you've got, remember this, and I come along and scratch it by playing it over and over again, scratch it and scratch it and scratch it and change it and scratch it, pretty soon you'll never be able to play that record the same way again. I've eliminated the feeling of failure because he can't picture things, he can't focus on things the same way. Are you following me? So let's try it with you. I want you to take one of the big fat failures, okay? One of those ones, whenever you think about it, it makes you have poor self-esteem. Or maybe it just keeps you from really going for it in a particular area. Pick a major one, one that really bugs you. And let's have some fun with it. First of all, do this. Wherever you are, if you're in your car, sit up. But I mean sit up like you are absolutely in charge of the world. Sit up like you're proud. Sit up like you're energized and excited. Come on, go for it. And if you're not in a car and you're listening to me in any other way, then please stand up right now. Now, don't just listen to me. Stand up. I'm there. I'm watching you. Come on, you can do it. Stand up. Breathe. Put a big, dumb, silly grin on your face. People will wonder why. It'll be good for you. Now, all you stand like this and you feel really good, I want you to breathe the way you breathe when you feel proud and strong and unstoppable. Come on, go for it. Proud, strong, and unstoppable. Breathe that way. Feel that way. Stand taller. That's it. Good. Now, while you're feeling really great, what I want you to do is create for yourself some kind of positive anchor. So make yourself feel really great. And at the peak while you're feeling great, do something unique. Do something unique. Do something unique. Do something unique. Till later on, you could do that something unique and immediately feel this way again. 
So just feel really good and do something so you feel even better. Feel good, link it to something. Feel good, link it to something. Feel good, link it to something. So you got yourself in a really good state. Go for it. Think about how you feel and what you see and what your voice sounds like when you're feeling really, really strong. Now, while you're feeling good, let's do the following. Remember that big fat failure from the past? I want you to imagine that you're watching it on a movie screen in front of you. And I want you to watch it through one time just the way it happened. Whatever it was. And I want you to make sure you stand tall and remain feeling good as you watch it going across that screen, okay? Real simple. Just watch it go across the screen. Continue to watch it. Watch it just as it happened back then. Now would be a good time. And see everything just as it happened then. And you may feel some of the feelings, not quite as bad as it was then because it's outside of you. All the way to the end, and then just finish up and come to the very end of the situation where you felt bad because you'd failed. Okay? Finish up, come to the end. If you need more time, you can stop the tape. Otherwise, you should come to the end now. Great. Stop at the end, and here's what I want you to do. Standing tall again, feeling really good. This time I want you to get a little bit outrageous. So not only stand tall and feel strong, but put the big silly grin on your face. Be a little outrageous and pretend like you're a little kid again who's about to have some fun. Now don't be like an adult. Adults go, oh yeah, okay, I'll do another exercise. Kids will have fun. They'll go for it. Just be playful. Be outrageous. So here's what I want you to do. With a smile on your face, I want you to close your eyes and imagine that same memory. But here's how you're going to do it. I want you to start at the end of the memory. In other words, right after you had failed. And when I say now, what I want you to do is run that entire memory backwards in time at hyperspeed, where everything's moving in reverse. Whatever you said, whatever you said is coming back inside your mouth and reversing. You hear it all in reverse, like, and while it's going on, I want you to see your favorite colors around everything, and you may hear some weird noises as well. Go all the way back to the beginning, run as fast as you can. Ready? Go. If there are other people around, watch them changing as well and hear the sounds of all at the beginning and watch people around you. If somebody else was there and they were upset with you or they made some weird look, watch them develop Mickey Mouse ears getting really huge and watch their nose getting bigger. That's it. Run all the way to the beginning until you're right in the very beginning again. You should be back at the beginning now. Get there now. Great. Now run it forwards. This time run it twice as fast. But again, if there was anybody else around and they were giving you a hard time or you felt embarrassed, watch them shrink down and pick them up in your hand and whisper to them that it's okay. Ready? Go. Run forward as fast as you can. See the same memory. Come on, faster and faster. Everything's happening as fast as you can possibly make it go. Make all kinds of different colors. Put rainbows across people's faces. Again, their ears are getting big. Watch a few of these people shrinking down. Pick them up in your hand and say, it's okay. Don't worry about it. That's a good. Put them back on the ground. Watch them grow back up. Come on, go forward. Make all kinds of bizarre pictures as fast as you can. Run all the way through to the end. Stop. You should be right back at the end. Now, again, you're going to run it backwards, only this time when you run it backwards, listen to it to your favorite music. Make it like a, an MTV video of some bizarre sorts. Ready? Run it backwards as fast as you can. Go. As fast as you can. Watch it all reverse, everything moving reverse, all the voices and everything else going reverse, all to the beginning. Run it forward again as fast as you can. We're doing this as fast as we can. Go. All the way forward, all the way to the very end. Come on. Faster, 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 faster. Run it backwards again. Do this six times, back and forth, back and forth. Each time, change something in it a little bit different. Each time, see something shift a little bit. Make it a little bit more outrageous. That's it. Great. Every time, make it even better. Make it weirder. Make it more bizarre. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. As fast as you possibly can. Make the whole thing black and white now. 
Now make the whole thing a rainbow, where everything you see, people, places, things, yourself, you're in rainbow colors. Good. All the way to the end, run it all the way back to the front again. Excellent. Now, let's try something. First of all, with a smile on your face, now go back and think about that memory that was bothering you so much and tell me what happens now. Yeah, well, as you go through it, you might see a Mickey Mouse. Don't listen to those sounds. Be careful. All the way through to the front. That's right. And right now when you do it, what happens? Do you have a smile? Do you at least have neutral feelings? If not, you just run this pattern a few more times. All we do is we interrupt the pattern. It's what I do with Byron. It's what you can do with yourself. It's called an erasure technique. Instead of like next time you feel really bad and you feel like, oh, God, I screwed this whole thing up, learn your lesson. If there's something you didn't do well, figure out, okay, what can I learn from this? Good question to ask yourself. Once you learn the lesson, then get rid of the negative feeling by using your erasure. Otherwise, you'll keep playing the same memory over and over. You keep saying the same things to yourself. Just keep picturing the same things. Keep feeling the same things, and all you do is feel like heck, and you're not going to have a better performance. Use the erasure technique, and you can't believe what will happen. So what do we do next once we erase the failure? Well, in Byron Scott's case, all of a sudden he started feeling good. He doesn't feel like he has to be afraid. Somebody gives him the ball, and hey, he's going to do well. So what do I do? Well, now I want to just not overcome his fear of failure, but ensure he's going to have even more success. How do we do that? We get ourselves in a peak state. So all I did was reinforce his anchors, and that's what you can do for yourself. I got him in his best states. I got him to remember times when he had performed at his best. And right at the peak moments when he felt like, God, that's a swish, boom, I made that sound. Another time I had him rehearse. Right at the peak moment, I had him make the sound as well. Boom. Did it over and over again until pretty soon all we had to say was boom. And he went right into that perfect state where he knew he was releasing the ball and he absolutely knew he was going to swish it. It was going to be a perfect shot. Well, sure enough, the next thing I did is I gave him the ball. Now, Life Magazine was there the whole time, right, wondering what the heck is going on here. When I first gave him the ball before we started our work and he was just shooting around, he was making one out of every three to five shots, hitting the rim, bouncing off, spinning off, no real consistency. Well, we did this process of eliminating his failures till I said, look, how do you feel now if somebody throws you the ball? He goes, I'm ready. Then we increased his skill by anchoring in a success with the boom. And then all I did was take the ball and I threw it to him. And as I threw it to him, when it got the ball to his hand, I said, boom, swish. Threw him the ball again, boom, swish. Threw him the ball in any place on the course, boom, swish. He made 28 shots in a row in front of Life Magazine, which was rather useful for me. <laughs> The point, though, is this. He went out the next night. The previous night, he scored three points. He was one for 12. The next night, he was eight out of 12, and he scored 22 points, second highest score in the game behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Boom became an anchor he used for himself throughout that process to put himself back on the success track. You can do this for yourself as well. Once you eliminate the failure, create for yourself an anchor where you rehearse succeeding where you imagine having the success that you want over and over again until it's absolutely real for you, and you create that success. Remember, what we did initially is we made a decision. Secondly, we got leverage on ourselves. We showed ourselves, hey, we got to change or it's going to be a lot of pain, and if we do change, we get a lot of pleasure. Three, we've interrupted our old pattern of looking at things using the erasure technique. And four, we've conditioned ourselves or associated in our mind that we're going to succeed by rehearsing it over and over again, so that's likely to come up. Now, as long as we're talking about success, let's just make one more point, and that is this, that many people have as much fear of success as they do failure. How could that be? Well, the only reason you have fear is because your brain associates that something is going to mean more pain than pleasure. 
Some people think that success is going to mean pain in many different forms. They might think, well, gosh, if I succeed, then people may not like me so much anymore. So sure enough, even though they want success on the one hand, they have approach avoidance again. They think, well, success could mean all this pleasure, but it could mean even more pain. And so sure enough, they fear success. Or some people believe that, hey, if I succeed, then what if I can't continue to succeed? Therefore, it would mean I failed. And so they actually fear success because they believe that if they have a higher standard of success now, it's easier to fail. It's a bizarre trap we humans sometimes create for ourselves. So stay out of these traps. Create definitions that work for you. Condition yourself so that you no longer feel those sensations you used to call failure and move yourself ahead by programming yourself for success. Let's take this fear of success and let's get rid of it. How do we do it? One, decide. Remember the technique? Step one is just absolutely decide. Decide means cut yourself off from any other possibility except that success is going to be nothing but pleasure and no more pain. Two, get some leverage on yourself. And this is going to be your assignment. Write in your success journal these two elements. All the things you'll lose if you don't change the sphere of success and all the things you'll gain by linking pleasure to success. And then do the erasure technique. What do I mean? Think of these ideas you have about success and how it could be painful and run them forwards and backwards, forwards and backwards and make them so weird and scrambled until pretty soon you could never think that way again. In fact, it would make you giggle or laugh or just think how absurd. That's all it takes. Free yourself. Interrupt the pattern so you can now establish a new pattern of success being something that you're driven towards instead of something you avoid. As soon as you're done with that, we're going to go into how to overcome fear of rejection. And take heart. We'll do this very shortly. It won't be as long as this side, but do your homework first, okay? See you in a minute or two. Now that we've talked about the fear of failure and the fear of success, let's take a look at this thing called rejection. Gosh, if you talk about an emotion that grabs people, one that most people associate massive pain to and will do almost anything, including ridiculous things to avoid, it's rejection. And again, the only way you can feel rejected, just like any other emotion, is if you make yourself feel rejected. There is nothing and no one outside of you that can ever generate that painful emotion inside of you except you. Remember, it's just a physiological storm in your brain. And what you are is the person who sets it off just by the triggers you give yourself. You've got rules to create rejection. And you know what? I think most people are afraid of failure, not because failing would be painful, but because they're afraid if they fail at something, other people aren't going to like them as much, or somebody might reject them. Or if they succeed, they might get rejected. I think rejection is really the core fear behind both of those. Now, not always, but a good deal of the time. So how do we deal with this thing called rejection? Well, let's do it the same way we've already handled these other emotions, like failure and success. Piece of cake, right? Let's go through a very simple process. Let's use some of the same technology. By the way, this isn't the only way to deal with it, but as long as we're doing it today, let's get in practice. Step one, decide you are not going to allow this limiting feeling or emotion to control your life. That what you're going to do right here and now is set things up so it's very, very difficult or impossible for you to feel rejected. Two, get enough leverage on yourself that you'll follow through. So again, what you're going to do when I ask you right now is you're going to stop the tape And I want you to write down two things. You know how this works. Number one, what is the price you will pay inevitably in your life if you do not control this thing called rejection? What are you going to have to give up? What are you going to miss out on? How many people are you not going to meet? What kind of relationships will you never create? How many business opportunities will you never try? 
What's the price you're going to pay long-term in your life if you don't handle this fear called rejection? And really put it on yourself. Get real. Stack the anchors. Make it painful. We want to cause our brain to associate that the idea that a causing myself to feel rejected is going to create ultimate pain in my life called losing everything that matters. And then two, your second exercise, and please do this in your success journal, is to write down what is all the pleasure, what are all the benefits you'd gain in your life if, in fact, you were able to free yourself from the fear of rejection. If you were able to just go for it, not worry, not wonder, not be concerned, not run these voices inside of your head about, did I do it right or not? If you could just free yourself, what would you gain? What level of confidence would you have? What level of success? How much action would you take? What kind of results could you create? And really sell yourself on the massive pleasure you'll gain by freeing yourself from this fear. Stop the tape right now and do this piece of homework, okay? I'll talk to you in about two or three minutes. Go for it full on. Begin now. Okay, now you should have created the appropriate carrot and stick for yourself. The stick that says, I got to handle this or I'm going to pay ultimate pain. And it's a lot more painful than the rejection itself. I got to get rid of this fear. And the pleasure that says, gosh, if I get rid of this, think of all the incredible things I could have in my life. This means your brain is conditioned and ready to change. So what do you do next? Simple. Do what we did with success and with failure. Create a new set of rules about what must happen before you're going to allow yourself to feel rejected. For example, right now, your rules for rejection might be, in order to feel rejected, what must happen is just somebody disapprove of you or somebody not give you approval. For some people, that's rejection. If you share an idea and they don't agree with you or they don't even get enthusiastic, some people go, they rejected me. They make it so easy to feel bad. It's a joke. And that keeps them from moving ahead. Maybe you want to change your rule so that now, in order for you to feel rejected, Someone would have to demonstrate for you that you consistently violate your own standards, your own values, if you will. Maybe that would make you feel rejected because you knew they were right. But somebody just disapproving of your own view or your own approach certainly can't create that feeling inside of you. Free yourself. See, that's really critical. You've got to come up with a great definition. I remember hearing a great story about Buddha. You know, Buddha was well known for his ability to respond to evil with good. And there was a man who knew about this reputation who traveled for miles and miles and miles to test Buddha. And what he did is when he got in Buddha's presence, he verbally abused him constantly. He challenged him. He insulted him. He did everything he could to try and offend Buddha. Buddha was unmoved. He simply turned to the man and said, may I ask you a question? See, even Buddha asked questions. All masters do. (laughs) But you learned that earlier, remember? The man responded by saying, well, what? He said, if someone offers you a gift and you decline to accept it, to whom then does it belong? The man said, well, then it belongs to the person who offered it. Buddha smiled. That is correct. So if I decline to accept your abuse, does it not then still belong to you? The man was speechless and walked away. This might be your strategy for how to deal with a rejection. Be a Buddha. Go for it. Don't allow anybody else's view to destroy the way you feel about you. Take another look. That does not, again, mean don't listen. It just means don't just accept things at face value. We all have a right to our own perceptions. And by the way, do sometimes people get in state and get angry about something and communicate where they might feel differently in another situation? They may not be rejecting you. They may be in a rejecting state. So don't allow that to affect you. So let's start right now by having you create a new set of rules for yourself. 
What must happen for you to feel rejected? And make it tough to feel rejected. Set a high standard, one that will really support you. Stop the tape now and create a new rule or rules for what it takes to feel rejected. Another way of looking at it is you might want to set it up that the only way you can feel rejected is if somebody says something and you agree with them 100%. Hey, then you're right. Maybe you should be rejected. Maybe you should have some pain. Maybe it's something you're doing that you don't want to continue to do in the future. But again, make sure you make it tough on yourself to feel bad and make sure your rules support you in your own personal growth, not something that limits you. Another strategy that will help you is to realize that no matter what somebody says or does, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting your idea or they're rejecting their impression of you in this moment. And certainly you're more than what you just said or what you just did or the way they're looking at you right now. Hey, all of us have met people at times who we didn't feel real attracted to or really liked, but maybe later on we grew to like the person or grew to be attracted or grew to become a friend with them. So initial impressions, initial feelings of someone saying they don't like you or someone not responding to you the way you want is not permanent. Remember, the past does not equal the future. Someone rejecting you in the moment doesn't mean in a moment later they're going to continue to reject you. They may begin to like you very rapidly. Unless you're walking around wounded and can't allow yourself to continue to communicate in a way where you get through to somebody. So break out of the trap. Okay, so what have we done so far? You've decided to make the change. Two, you've gotten some leverage on yourself. Three, you've created some rules that make sense, where it makes it a little tougher for you to feel rejected. But what else can we do to assist ourselves? Well, one thing is to realize, if you really want to succeed in life, remember this. Massive rejection is the key to success. You might have a new, new rule that says, if somebody's rejecting me, it probably means I'm on the right track. If nobody's rejecting you, you're probably insignificant. You're probably not doing anything. I mean, think about it. The most successful people in the world are those who are rejected more than virtually anybody else. Do you know programs like MASH, a television program that was on forever, was turned down by over 32 different producers? 32! They all said it was crazy. Sylvester Stallone. Here's a man who now earns, what is it, $20 million a movie? How does he pull that off? You think it's because he walked in one day into a casting office and said, Hey, Adrian! And they went, You, you're a star. I love that voice. That look on your face. You are really material. <laughs> no. They said, Look, learn how to talk, buddy. You're never going to make it here. He was turned down by over a thousand agents, but he just kept coming back for more. And you know what? When that didn't work, the guy just kept on going. In fact, he wrote his own movie starring, guess who? Yo, Adrian! Same guy. And you know what? Everyone turned this movie down. They said, what a stupid idea. This will never succeed. Over and over again. Finally, one company offered to buy it, but only if he wouldn't star in it. In fact, they offered him money not to star in his own picture when he desperately needed it. How's that for rejection? He was living in New York City, had no money left, barely paying his rent, and they offered him all his money not to star in his own picture. So instead of feeling rejected, he just told him no. He's stuck by his guns, and now he's doing pretty well. In fact, if you see these Rambo movies where he's shooting up all those bad guys, he's not shooting up bad guys. He's shooting up all those agents that rejected him in the past. <laughs> he's got the last laugh. The point is this. Anyone who succeeded has gone through massive rejection because if you've got an idea worth its salt, everyone has got a different view of things in life. And what's going to happen, in order to get it out there, you're going to have to receive much more rejection than you're going to receive acceptance. But see, all you need is acceptance from the right person, and you can make your idea a reality. But here's the key. You can't allow the rejection to affect you emotionally, because otherwise you just give up, which is what most people do. If you want to succeed, remember, massive rejection is the key to success. How's that for a phrase to remember? In addition, 
You can take anything you used to feel like was rejection from a person, a place, a situation, and you can get rid of it using the erasure technique just like we have here earlier. And let me offer you one more possibility or approach. Condition yourself so that when somebody rejects you, it actually makes you feel stronger. You say, well, how could I do that? Same way you condition yourself to feel lousy back in the old days. That is, create a new neuroassociation. How do you do that? Real simple. Make yourself feel incredibly strong. Whatever it is, put yourself in a state where you feel unstoppable. And while you're feeling that way, create an anchor. Feeling absolutely unstoppable, create an anchor. Feeling absolutely like you could do whatever it took to succeed, create an anchor. You do it over and over again. Now remember, you gotta stand, you gotta breathe it, you gotta feel it, you gotta be fully associated. Now, what do you do? Imagine somebody rejecting you, and right as they're rejecting you, Bam! Fire off the anchor and make yourself feel great. Somebody rejects you, bam! Make yourself feel great. Somebody rejects you, bam! Make yourself feel great. Over and over again until you literally condition yourself so that rejection triggers you to feel strong. Now, I know this may sound difficult or even impossible, but it's actually very easy. I've done it over and over again in my seminars for more than a decade and a half. In fact, one of my favorite seminars I've done for the last 10 years is called Unleash the Power Within, because in that program, we flat change people's conditioning, and we do it in minutes. In fact, maybe you've seen this program, because now, because of my alliance with United Artists Movie Theaters, we've created what we call the EmpowerNet, where literally, I'm doing the seminar live on these huge screens where I'm connected with you, and I do the entire program there. So you may go to a United Artists Movie Theater, and you're waiting to see a movie trailer, and there's my smiling face going, hi, come to Unleash the Power Within. But the point is, in these programs, we show people how to break through any fear. I mean, anything that stopped them in the past, we handle it. I don't care what it is, and we do it by conditioning. For example, we take people right out of the audience, and we do it in all the different theaters, and we have them get up, and we take an example, like someone who's deathly afraid of rejection from the opposite sex, where they can't follow through. And we wipe it out right there in less than 15 minutes, including people who have total phobias. I'll give you a classic example. I was doing one of these seminars in San Jose, California years ago when a woman, approximately 200 pounds overweight, stands up and she raises her hand as having had a major fear of the opposite sex. So I said, well, tell me, how do you feel about men? And she explodes into tears and begins to shake like crazy. Well, she does this. I used to respond to people by saying, oh, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. But again, that doesn't change people's states. What do you got to do? You got to interrupt their pattern. So she starts crying hysterically, and I said, please stop urinating on your face. (laughs) She said, what? I said, please stop urinating on your face. And she starts to giggle like crazy. As soon as she's giggled, I've interrupted her pattern. I anchor her feeling good. I anchor her in laughter until pretty soon I can just touch her in a certain way, and she starts giggling. Well, long story short, I get her on stage, and I get her to do what I've asked you to do. I get her to feel absolutely, incredibly strong, and then I anchor that feeling over and over and over again, where she feels strong, where she feels sexy, where she feels in charge. Then all I have her do is rehearse in her mind over and over again somebody rejecting her, but she feeling stronger. Well, the more they reject her, the stronger she gets. Then I had her pick a role model. She picked Jacqueline Bissett, somebody who she thought could get a date with any man. And I had her imagine that Jacqueline had taken over her body, and no matter what a man did to reject her, she would still get the date. And she was to actually watch what Jacqueline did with her body and her face and her voice to make that happen. So she had a role model. And she practiced it over and over again, where the more rejection she got, the more committed she got to getting the date. Well, to make a long story short, after about 20 minutes of conditioning, this woman was a monster. I then unleashed her on the men in the audience. I said, pick out a man in this audience you'd like to have a date with. Well, i got to tell you the truth. When she pointed to the group, most of the guys ducked their head. <laughs> but she went out there and took this guy to the audience, and sure enough, 
She said, I want to go out on a date with you. He looked at me like, what to say? I said, reject her viciously. Tell her she's a fat slob and she's ugly. So he did. But while he was screaming at her, she was firing off her positive anchor. So sure enough, he's going, you're a fat slob and you're ugly. And she's feeling good. Fat slob and you're ugly. And she's feeling good. Fat slob and you're ugly. And she's feeling strong. She goes, you're right. I may be overweight, but there's a great woman inside of here. You talk about a shift. And that kind of thing can happen for anybody. A little sideline to the story. Two days later, the seminar is three days long. Two days later, she comes up and shares with the audience. She said, you know, this thing has changed my entire life. Some of you men have discovered that. <laughs> and she said, I want you to know something. The reason why I gained so much weight, I just finally realized. She said, I was sexually abused by my father from the time I was five years old until I was 12. And she said, believe it or not, when I was 12 years old, my father stopped sexually molesting me and started molesting my other sisters, and I felt rejected. Can you believe that people could create that kind of association? She said, I hated it when it was happening, but then I felt even worse because now he didn't even want me. She said, ever since that day, I've been doing this. And she pulled off a wig, and she was almost completely bald. She had little wisps of hair. She said, I've been pulling my hair out every day since then. And I had to share this story with you because for the last two days, it's been the first time since I was 12 years old when I haven't pulled my hair out. I want you to know, no matter how much fear you've got of rejection, it probably isn't anything close to that. No matter how many challenges you've got, it's probably nothing close to that. If you learn to condition yourself, you can change anything in your life. Rejection is something you don't ever have to fear again. Make it tough to feel rejected. Make yourself feel strong. Everyone has a right to their opinion. And if they don't like how things are right now, that's okay. You don't have to agree with them. You can listen, but you don't have to feel bad. Move ahead and allow rejection to drive you to be more committed and find a better way to get through to the people you're talking to. That'll give you some real power. And by the way, she's lost 58 pounds, and she has herself a boyfriend who seems to be having a good time with her. <laughs> See, you can overcome any fear of rejection. It's your perception of yourself, by the way, that determines how most people respond to you. I mean, think about it. W. Mitchell may not be the most attractive man in the world visually with his face scarred from the fires and sitting there in a wheelchair. Yet he attracted the woman of his dreams literally because he knows who he is on the inside and his own perception of himself is so powerful that it affects the way everyone around him responds to him. And they don't reject this man in mass. They love him in mass. Love yourself and other people will love you as well. Here's your assignment. Pull out your success journal, and I want you to do the following. Write down two experiences in your life that you used to consider failures. You know, those horrible feelings used to make you feel bad. And I also want you to write down two experiences in your life where you felt rejected. Two experiences where you felt like you'd failed, two where you felt rejected. And what I want you to do next to these four items is the following. I want you to write down a benefit that you got out of those experiences. I know it didn't feel like a benefit, but if there was one, acting as if there was one, what could you have benefited from out of that situation? Maybe it made you learn something. Maybe the pain of being rejected or the pain of feeling like you failed made you study harder in the future or made you work harder or made you more motivated or made you more sensitive to other people who'd been rejected in the past. Have you had experiences like that? I want you to come up with a benefit and then step two, I want you to use the erasure technique so you destroy the negative feelings that you associated to that quote-unquote failure. In fact, it won't feel like failure anymore. And the same thing to the thing you used to call rejection. 
So what they become are learning experiences rather than big emotional things like failure and rejection. So please do your homework, and again, over the next two days, you'll be using your subliminals to condition yourself for success. I'll see you on day 22. Till then, live with passion.